This is the Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Goodison Park. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Royal Blue Podcast in association with Sport Pacer, where the first time in over a month we can reflect on a victory. It's me, Phil Kirkbride, and today joined by Chris Beasley, Tony Scott and Gav Buckland as we look back on Saturday's 3-0 win over Fulham, plus looking ahead to tomorrow night's Carabao Cup game with Southampton and everything in between. Um, hello, chaps. Very well, very much welcome back. And uh, we've all got smiles on our faces. Gav, talk... In an uplifting manner, please, about the excellent second half performance. Yeah, um, I think it was uplifting because the first half was dire. I thought that second half was a big half for Silva in terms of being a manager at Everton, to be honest with you, given the unrest of the last few weeks and specifically a half-time on Saturday after a very poor first half. So it was a big half for them. I wouldn't like to be in the dressing room at half-time. Um, and we came out, obviously, with so much more energy and desire, I think, in the second half um, and shown that there was a clear gap between us and Fulham. And at the end, I think he alluded to this too, we were playing like you would expect the Marco Silva team to play, which we did in the opening home game for, for to some degree. But for 45 yeah. minutes on Saturday, we, we did. And it's getting that over 90 minutes now. But So that's my uplifting assessment. So uh, Marco seems to do his best work at half-time. He did it against Wolves on the opening day, mm-hmm. Bournemouth, Bournemouth a couple of weeks later, and then again on Saturday. Which he'd do just before the game would be nice, wouldn't it? Um, do you know what the pleasing aspect for me? Uh, you probably don't associate Marco Silva with the last two games Everton have played Arsenal away and obviously Fulham on Saturday the defence I was thought a look at criticism under Marco Silva his defence is normally wide open set pieces zonal marking etc but I thought they caught quite, quite well he did against Arsenal notified them to obviously an outstanding goal and an offside goal and then on and then on Saturday can't apart from that obviously chance that Sessegnon it's the barber can't really think of anything that Fulham created at the top of my head. And that's providing, this is Mitrovic here, who's top scorer, currently top scorer in the Premier League. To nullify him to nothing, I thought the defence done quite well. So that pleased me more than anything on Saturday with the defence. I think I think the stat, Gav, you might be able to back me up or knock me down on this one. I believe that Saturday was the first time in 18 Premier League matches Marco Silva has managed a clean sheet. Yeah, I believe so. And it was our first one since Huddersfield in April, wasn't it, I think? so. Uh... First time first time since Huddersfield in April that Tosin scored. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> So yeah, I can fully support what Tony's saying there. That that was sort of like gone a little bit under the radar, wasn't it? The defence over the last couple of days. You know, Michael Keane's obviously getting some plaudits. So yeah, bees. Uh, you know, we've a strong second half, won three nil mm-hmm. at home, clean sheet, and to add add all of that up to you know we we did it with Richarlison just being okay. You know, we've relied on yeah. him heavily, but on Saturday we didn't really need him. It's it's nice to see the the other players come to the fore. We, we've mentioned. Tosin, I mean, he, he was struggling desperately for that first goal. He, he's, he's a player who obviously thrives on goals like all centre-fours, but particularly so in that he's not the kind of player who would bring you a lot into the game if, he, if he's not scoring goals. And I think the manager has more or less alluded to that himself. So it was nice to, to see him get off the mark and hopefully that means he, he's up and running now and a, a few more will follow again. Um, l- lovely um, way that... Um, um, Bernard brought in um, Sigurdsson for his, his second goal as well um, um, coming off the bench again he, he's got a lot of promise about him and the way Gilfie um, stepped up after missing the penalty um, I mean he, he's coming for a, lo- a lot of flack recently just because I think expectations are so high for him he's such a talented player people expect him more and you know he could have gone into a shell after missing that penalty but you know fair play to him he pulled uh, two uh, great goals out in the end 
I noticed you've gone for Bernard, not Bernard. Is, have we have we got it wrong? I'm <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I just going going with that one. I'm, what um, comes natural? Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm, that sounds more American, Bernard. To me. <laughs> <laughs> um, because it's you know everybody's going into the really positive ahead of uh, tomorrow night's game against Southampton. Another question on on the Fulham game: Who was the best player for Everton? For 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 Everton on Saturday, yeah. I think you'd say Sigurdsson, haven't you? I don't know, have you? In terms of affecting the if if you're saying affecting the games, I was talking about, yeah. and uh, we won three 0 he scored two. Um, he was our in terms of affecting games, our best player on on Saturday. He did what you wanted from Sigurdsson when you bought him for forty odd million. Is affect the game that it's two goals. We've got four goals in their games this season now, something like that. Yeah, four goals, three mm-hmm. in the league, one in the uh, Yeah, in the yeah. so uh, I put him down with a, a, a hearty mention for Michael Keane, who talked about Tony was saying before, who's had possibly his two best games for Everton the last two uh, two weeks. Absolutely, Tony. I think you, uh, by that sound, that inward take of breath, you disagree with Gav that Sigurdsson was Everton's best player? I thought Sigurdsson, up until the penalty miss, could, couldn't get in the game. I know you're saying that he affected yeah. the game, don't get me wrong. Yeah, yeah. He can do nothing for 90 minutes and score one in the top corner, not affect the game. Do you know do what I'm trying to say is that man of the match for me is playing well for numerous amounts of minutes that are worthy of, of Everton winning the game. For me, I thought it just a Ghana guy was the best player on the pitch by a long way. I know Michael Keane played well on Zoom and and Luca Dina, but for me, it's just a Ghana guy was doing the job of two midfielders. And I think that's how well he played. He was good on the ball, his tackling, his pressing, everything just set the tone for Everton. For the, I know Everton were poor in the first half, but he was probably the better player that yes. first half. Second half, he was just absolutely everywhere, winning tackles. Fulham couldn't get near him. And to do that job of two midfields has said a lot. I thought he was the best player on the pitch. I was walking back to the car at um, Stanley Park and I was saying, I was saying almost exactly the same as you. I thought he was terrific. Possibly that second half is the best he's ever produced for Everton. But I'm also going, why can't he do that every week? Because he's good enough. He yeah. showed that he's good enough to do. And when I say that, I mean that every week. Yes, we all know he's good defensively, superb at tackling. But it's what he did with the ball at times on Saturday that I found most impressive. I think when you're playing against a top six team, I think it's going to be difficult for him to do the two jobs that he's expecting to do. Or he needs, I, me personally, I think he needs a proper unit next to him, a box-to-box midfielder, a, lot, a good ball player. I know it's very hard to all the assets I've just made in a proper midfielder. But if Everton can get that alongside him, I think that will take his game to another level where he can do that against the top six teams. But the team below Everton, I, he can do that most weeks. But the likes of Arsenal and... City, he's going to struggle to do that job what he did on Sunday. Fulham, are, they're not the best, are they? Don't get me wrong. They're, they're a decent yeah, team. Michael Serry in there. We, talk, we talked about yeah. him on Friday yeah. being the danger man. I don't think he did a great deal. No, no I, I just think if you're looking for the top end where Everton want to beat, they want to be beating top six teams, don't they? You're going to need more than what a Jusagana guy is going to be doing, obviously, every week in the bottom half teams. Bees, any, mm-hmm. uh, any raise on Sigurdsson and, and, and Guy? Anybody else that deserves mention as Everton's standout player? I just think um, it was um, it was important, like we said, that that first clean sheet of the, the season. We, we've mentioned uh, Michael Keane, obviously, um, come back from that injury earlier than expected, um, and he's, t- he's t- shown a lot of bravery there. And obviously, he's, he's wearing the the head guard or whatever we we call it at the, at the moment, or the um, sort of um, 
I don't, I don't know what bandages. Band. I don't, yeah, mm. I don't know what what it is exactly. But yeah, he, he he's been great. And there were a few moments as well. It's important for for Jordan Pickford. I think there was, there's that one moment where he where he he swooped out and took that um that that um low take as well at the at the striker's feet. So yeah, it's a, it's, it's a collective effort. But I think um it, it's weird, isn't it? Because it's one of those fixtures in in the flip side of Arsenal. It's one that Everton haven't won for a, such a long time. Whereas Fulham, it's, isn't it the longest? winning streak in, in the top, top flight. flight so yeah, yeah. I mean it is expected but I don't know I don't know if that makes it easier or harder every time Fulham come around I, I, I wrote about it on Saturday um, what did you make of Silva's reaction were you expecting him to give more because it was you know every look everybody can say in public and play it down but it was a big win there was no undue pressure on Michael but it was a big win wasn't it did you expect him to be outwardly show a bit more emotion he was very kind of reserved about it afterwards is he that manager gives an outward display of emotion? I don't he, think he did against yeah. Wolves on the opening day. Yeah, I thought he was more passionate on the line than yeah. what he has been. That was his first game in charge, wasn't yeah. it? it was, yeah, I, I, no, I think he, I think he, he will give a reaction on the basis that we played one bad half and one good half. Mm. And as you say, so it's like he'd be looking at his own performance. Say, well, actually, you know, he'd be asking the same question exactly what you said there. He says, I can't we put two halves together at the same time. So he'd be looking at his own performance, thinking actually. Maybe I got that wrong myself. Um, so I think he'll be his reaction would reflect our performance over ninety minutes, not forty-five minutes, and and that was probably playing it down would be about right. Just pick up on that two halves thing, so I'm just thinking on the top of my head. How many times this season have we played well in the opening forty-five? Southampton at home, maybe Arsenal away. Yeah, Arsenal away comes to me. We tend to have well. been relatively slow. I know we scored at Wolves, from, but you know I think. Yeah. My reflections of the first 45 were we were all Don't right. Forget, it's a work in progress as well. Yeah, isn't it? It's yeah, quite difficult to, for a new manager with new players to get his methods across straight from the off over 90 minutes. We can... He's only got 15 minutes at half-time, so I'm thinking he's got all the build to the week. I'm not, this is not, I'm not having a go yeah, to yeah. I'm saying the players, why, why can the players get it in 15? Do you think maybe it's softly, softly in the week? And then it probably is. Like, and don't forget, Phil, like, once players leave Finch Farm on a Friday afternoon or Thursday afternoon, it's out their heads and they know the basis of how they're going to be yeah, playing, how they're going to yeah. be setting up. But what Silver tells them to play, like an Utaman Mark and etc. kind of, they'll be going out into their hotels, playing computer games on their mobile phones. Sometimes that'll enter, go out their heads. Whereas in, before that 15 minutes before the game, though Silver should be getting into their heads. Listen, what I've told you all week, he should be you should be carrying but out. Do you think that actually having experienced it for 45 minutes and then Marco going, No, you should have been doing this, you should have been on it, like, Oh, right, okay, the penny drops it. Yeah, possibly. Yeah, yeah, I think you've also got substitutes to play in there, haven't you? Yeah, and the threat and of substitutes yeah, to yeah. where he hasn't got that at the start of the game, he can basically say to any player in half time, I've got five subs there to pick from. Any of you aren't doing your job, you're being replaced. So, so, so just think allowed the uh, substitutes on Saturday. Tosin scored. Yeah, Bernard. Bernard laid on the... Schneidlin. Yeah. Um, so in terms of affecting the game, yeah. that was the difference. Mm. If, if they're not on the pitch, maybe you don't score two goals. Mm. We're having a different conversation. I think, in a strange way, the, the, the sort of stamina thing is a bit counterintuitive to, to what you would expect Silver's team to be like. You'd expect them to have a strong first half and then tail off in the second half, wouldn't you? There's, you know, if you're playing with high intensity, yeah. that like sometimes like near the end of the game, you, you're struggling. It's sort of, I don't know whether they're playing perhaps, too reserved well, in the first half. Marco had said at half time that he, he told the players, amongst other things, and I'm sure he turned the air a bit blue. Oh, I bet he does, yeah. But, I bet he did, yeah. Um, 
but he told them to be more aggressive. So maybe they, they hadn't been put enough energy and yeah. work in. And maybe, you know, maybe he's saying to them, you are fit enough and you're going to have to be fit enough to do it for 90. Do you reckon it involves the atmosphere? The nervousness from the crowds? I don't, I don't sense it as much at the minute. No. I think the onus is more on the players again. Now, I do, but I, I, sorry, I, I think what some of the fans are waiting for is something to go wrong. So they go, oh... I'm not having a go at Everton fans far from it. What I'm trying to say is that maybe the first 10 minutes dictates how the players are going to play and the relationship with the supporters. Thought, where if you saw a bit of fight and a tackle early doors, yeah. which you may have seen in the second half, a bit of pressing, next yeah. minute the crowd responds and next minute Everton on the front foot. Yeah. But in the first 10 or 15 minutes of the first half, Fulham had a little bit of a lot of possession, didn't he, in, in early doors? The last, 15, the last 15 minutes, they were the best of the team. They had exactly. two chances, didn't yeah. they? As you say, you had the one hit the bar and the one that Sheila put over the bar and they yeah. should have gone on targets. Um, in the second half, they didn't create anything. So, I but think once they start keeping the ball, it just sends that nervousness yeah, within yeah. within the crowd. Yeah, mm-hmm. I think it's a combination of factors. Um, but saying I'd expect, I would have expected the silver team haven't just become manager to to tail off in the second half. And you know, I don't know if you I don't know if if you'd agree, um, Chris, but during that period in the first half, when we, the intensity of our game after ten minutes petered out, and there was and Fulham had the had the better of it, mm. I was st- sitting there thinking familiar kind of confidence issues might be creeping back in again if you've seen it at times this season but was was the reaction on Saturday in the second half does that give you encouragement that actually there's maybe a little bit more character in this team than perhaps in previous seasons where we may have folded in such situations or yeah the, um, there's been, we've got to remember there's been so much change haven't we um, and personnel and, and the managers um, obviously since um Mr. Mashiri took over, started off with um, Martinez at the, the, end, the back end of his reign. And then you've, you've had the ideas of um, Ronald Koeman, virtually rebuilt that team within a year. And then he's been taken out of it. Sam Allardyce has come in there and now Marco Silva. So we've had so many different managers at the club with different philosophies and different kind of players that they, they've brought. And he's, he's just trying to sort of meld all those styles together. And, and like you say, the, the, the characters to, to, to come to the, the fore, I mean, that has been a... Um, a criticism in, in in recent years it is it, that that mental strength and um, toughing it out. So it's like last weekend places like Arsenal where they are they have struggled. They still haven't got that that monkey off their back. So but possibly um, I, I guess only only time will tell the, the mums ahead when when it's sterner tests than Fulham at home. Well, you've got to remember Phil as well. This is a young Everton team. A very young Everton team compared to the ones we've seen in the past. It's I think we had obviously we got the youngest captain. I think it was the youngest Everton team for a while as well. Ninety nine. It was youngest Premier League this team this season, wasn't it? At Arsenal. Yes. Yeah. Um, so we've got to remember, take all them things into consideration, the character and starting games nervously, but setting the tone second half. Put all that into factor. It's a very young mm. team, and obviously learning from a new manager and new players. It's gonna take time. Yeah, yeah. yeah I, I said tonight at the start of the season. That and um, you have to see our current performance in in the, this context. Is I wanted to say, I think Michael Ball said this last week. As I said in the pod that I want us to see progress over the season. So when we get to the end of the campaign, we are a far better team than what we were at the, the start of the campaign. That means sacrificing some poor results at the, as part of that. You sacrifice experience. points? Would you go? Yeah, to be to be to be better at the end of the season. And I I I, I think we're a bit like Liverpool's first season under Rodgers. If you have a look, I think they won three of the first 14 Premier League games and then lost two of their last 16. And, and, and they yeah. were going through the same sort of process at the start of the campaign as what we're going through now. With a new manager who's young has been brought in to, to basically 
to fix the errors that have been made by the three previous managers. And I think I think we're like Liverpool twelve, thirteen. And they were poor at the start but got far better after Christmas. Once they got more attuned to their manager's sort of footballing beliefs, nearly said philosophy there. Don't, don't, and, and, and don't. I think as long as we do that this season, I'm willing to put up with all these, uh, you know, all these like little pitfalls and weaknesses that we've got at the moment. The Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. The Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. Okay, lovely stuff. Uh, moving on um, tomorrow night, Goodison. Southampton are the visitors, Carabao Cup third round. Um, we've not really heard from Michael Silver about the competition. Briefly spoke after the last round. So, what's your sense of how seriously Marco views the League Cup? Well, I think I think he senses it as it's not his priority really. We've seen that in his lineup. He made eight, eight changes in the first obviously in the first game against Rotherham. I feel he'd make about seven or eight again tomorrow night. I think he'll do likewise. I think he'll obviously prioritise for Leicester in, in the um, in the league game on Saturday. So I can see where he's coming from. He needs Everton to be in the mix top seven. Um, as, as Gav said, to make us a better team at the end of the season. That's that, that's his remit, isn't it? From the manager, from the owner, make sure we're a better team to watch and get as many points as possible. A cup is a bonus. Whether we've got the squad to do that, I'm not sure. Whether we've got the squad to do both, that remains to be seen. But I, I personally think there's a little bit of a gap there for us now. With Liverpool being knocked out, with Manchester United being knocked out, there's not many teams in there. City, you'd fear, obviously. But over a one-off match, where do you City are playing at the moment? They're not pulling up trees, are they? But obviously, they could be knocked. You don't know. You want these teams to hit each other. Next minute, Everton find themselves in the quarter-final. Semi-final over two legs, I'd fancy it. The way Everton play, I'd fancy anyone over two legs. Because I think they're better. I, I like the way they play away from home, Everton. I think they can score a lot of goals away from home, like they did against Bournemouth, like they did against Wolves. Should, should have scored an half full against Arsenal. So I think over two legs, Everton will cope better against a, a really decent team. That's why I go for it. I really was. I think there's a, there's a really, there's a accountability as a goal for this, Sophie. And how, how good was it be to Marco Silva to even get in the final in his first season? Set the tone massively, wouldn't it? Cup final in February, and next minute, confidence is through the roof. Chris, mm-hmm. um, sorry, Gav, come back yeah. to you in a second. Ma- Marco has, the only thing he's really spoke about the competition was after that last round against Rotherham where he spoke about respecting the competition. Yeah. Now, what does that mean to you in terms of how seriously he's looking at it? Yeah, well, I, I think it's horses for courses. To be to be fair, um, he probably thought, you know, with it being Rotherham um, at home, a lower divisions side, he might actually pick a rather different team for um, another Premier League team coming to Goodison Park. I guess we'll have a much better idea about this in 24 hours' time when that team sheet comes out against um, Southampton. I mean, personally, I wouldn't make too many changes at all. I mean, it's, it's Tuesday night. They've got all that time going through to Saturday. So there's plenty of time for them recovery there. A couple of tweaks here and there. But um, certainly, I think, given that, like Tony has just said, um, um, Liverpool, Manchester United, both out the competition. There is a bit of a, an opening there. And don't forget, it's not Marco Silva's fault. But if Everton don't win a trophy this season, they'll go into a 25th year without silverware for the first time in the club's history. So, oh, trophy's got to be a priority. That, really. Thanks oh, for that, Chris. Having a great point. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Just killed the atmosphere. I expected <laughs> that from Gav. Not you, Chris. Hang on a minute. Yeah. <laughs> no, but, well, Chris, in many respects, that's a positive thing, isn't it? But listen, I think it's a better time we won a trophy. Let's yes, take it yes, seriously. That, so, yeah. that's the other mm. side of the coin. I think for me tomorrow, I mean, look at Southampton's priorities. There is the Premier League, Mark isn't Hughes it? Mark yeah. said on record that yeah. he would make changes. Yeah, yeah, so, you know, 
you'd be taking that into account. But I, I'll expect I think I'll expect to see a team maybe a little bit stronger than Rotherham, but not not our own full strength team. I think maybe as well as Wednesday International break is that the week after So next, after Leicester, isn't it? I yeah. Think, yeah. yeah. So after after tomorrow we've only got one game in the best part of three weeks, haven't we? I think. Yeah. Which yeah. may which may influence thinking. Um so um I, I would expect to see a stronger team but by no means our strongest. But again I'm with Tony on this. Uh I think not even getting to the final, even getting if you made semi-finals after Christmas, isn't it? So mm. it's like feel good factors. Yeah, there, if, you, if you know going into the new year thinking, well, we have got the semi-finals to look forward to, like in two thousand and sixteen, yeah. uh, when we were unlucky against City, weren't we? Because that duff refereeing decision at the mm. the Etihad. I think if you, as long as you get to the semi, you get to the semi-finals, which we're capable of doing because of the draw. That doesn't half bump up morale over over the Christmas period. I think I don't forget, Phil. Even if he just make changes. You, you, the changes he's bringing in, they're more than capable. It'll probably yeah. Dean you for Baines, Tosin yeah. for Calvert Lewin. So the, the, the decent players, not as if like a couple of years ago where you're obviously bringing kids in. Mm. The, these aren't yeah. kids. They're, so they're really we, decent players that we're bringing in. Good point. We've got we got senior players who need game time. Bernard, he needs game time. So you may you may see senior players given ninety minutes who, who've had limited game time in the last few weeks. Who, who bees? Who do you think? Deserves a start on the on, on Tuesday night. He perhaps hasn't always been in in, yeah. in the team. We've um, we've obviously got um, our teams coming up for the team selector on the, the Echo website. But what I've gone for is uh, I think, like I said, Tosin's up and running now, so I'd, I'd stick him in at centre forward and hopefully he can get another one at least. Um, I'd actually go with um, with both Brazilians. I'd give Walcott a rest, and I'd have um, Richarlison on one side and uh, Bernard on the on the other side. Okay. Mm. Be bold like that. Um, Wouldn't rest Richarlison? You think he needs to play? No, yet? I think he had that suspension, didn't he? He's come back, played a couple of games. I think he could play again. Young, he's young lad, uh, full of energy. Um, I'd give Morgan Schneidlin yeah. a go because I think he needs game time. Same with Leighton Baines. Might even. Uh, Try Mason Holgate at, um, at right back and give him a go there, but I certainly think the goalkeeper and the two centre backs with that combination there, I'd, I'd actually keep them both in. I'd, I don't know what Markle's thinking is, and then we'll go with Martin Stecklenberg again in in goal. But I, as, far, as far as I'm concerned, goalkeepers don't need rest, and I'm sure Jordan can play. What's that thought on cup keepers? Um, some, uh, I can't really sort of think back to Moyes and what he did as a standard, but certainly Martinez, it was a real shit. It felt yeah. like it was a real shit. Yeah. Joel came yeah. in, you are my yeah. cupkeeper for now. And it was, it, it always felt odd to me. Yeah, he, said, he, said he played vessels, didn't he? He was at a yeah, goals yeah. in the FA Cup. He got beat 1 0, uh, Moyes. So he did have a couple of games. I don't like the idea. I think it's a daft, it's a, it's a daft idea. Um, it's one of the modern things in football that I. That I hate, like having kids on at the end of the season when you're walking around the pits, you know. What I, mean? <laughs> yeah. uh, I just, I just, just a bore it. I don't, I don't see the point of it. As to say, in here, the goalkeepers don't need need to rest. So yeah. it's the best for your position. Play him. Yeah. One thing, one thing I'd like to see refreshed for tomorrow. I'd give Sigurdsson a rest, and I'd like to see Bernard play in that position. Ten, yeah, yeah. yeah I really would like to see him in that position. You, you've seen on on Saturday what he's all about: composure in the final thirds. When we what we've lacked. Over we, the last couple of games. For years, I'd say. Exactly, yeah. It's that composure, that willingness to go, hang on, foot on the ball here. Let's see where we're going. I think Eamon is a number 10. And it'll give Sigurdsson a kick up the backside as well, knowing that, hang on, there's someone... Because I think out of all the out of all the players that we've got in the in the team, I think Sigurdsson probably knows he's a shoo-in more times than most over the, over the league campaign. But Bernard plays well tomorrow in a number 10. All of a sudden... Well, hang on, your, your shirt's not guaranteed now. I'd like to see Bernard as a number 10 tomorrow. Yeah, you spoke before about midfield setup. I mean, 
there's an argument that to say that Bernard plays really, you know, if that is his position. He plays Sigerson as a box to box midfielder and, and plays Snyder and as your hold midfielder. Then there's no place for the disagree. Oh, Tom Davis. Just, yeah, well, that, that's 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 yeah. one of the options going to be yeah. available to to to. Uh, he said Moyes there to to uh, <laughs> Silva. Um, it'd be an inter- I, I think that'd be really good. Would you, would you go with Bernard as a number ten? I think I'd like to see him play there because I think he influences the game a bit more. So like Sigerson yeah. to me still influences the game a little bit more from that centre position than that wide. When was the last time we were as? Because you can sense it, even in when we were just speaking about it. Then when was the last time there was a player that kind of their potential excited us as much as Bernard? Yeah. I think everybody just wants to see him start now. I think because we've seen in the cameos we've seen him, he's done really well and he excites you. There's not many players we've had Richarlison apart from that. I can't think of many players that get you off your seat. Apart from Rooney, I think you'll have to go back down to it. Where you go, whoa, whoa, he's going to do something here. He's going to take maybe. to Mate, in fits and starts. I think Arteta was more of a ball player where he could just keep the ball for fun and keep it going. I think get you off your seat. Take two or three players on with ease as if they're not there. Mm. There's not many players we've had that I, can do that. I felt that in the very early throws of De La Feu on loan. You know, in that first... Four, then you get a yeah, sense yeah. of he didn't have the brain. You yeah, can sense straight away Bernard's got a football and brain by sending them two Fulham defenders gone out the ground yeah. and yeah. then pulling it back, waiting, just literally yeah. waiting for Sigurdsson to drive in. Bang, have a bit of that. We have never seen that composure yeah. in yeah, a long while. Yeah, that's a fair shout. I mean, established that he was playing for Brazil, played in the World Cup, didn't you think? Yes, yeah, yes. Um, So, yeah, I, I get that. I mean, I mean, I look back at Ross now when he first, you know, his first season, Martinez's first season... I think the difference between Ross and, and De La Feu, they were learning their trade. Then with Bernard is a bit more of a you know season campaign and comparison. Their final ball, De La Feu and Barkley's no, nowhere get, near get as good as Bernard's. Yeah, get you off your feet, but maybe as you said, the, the excitement came from not knowing what they're going to do. I suppose, but yes. especially in Gerrard's uh, yeah. way, where Bernard is a bit more of a um, he's a bit, bit more experienced and knows what to do. Yeah, I'd be very excited to see him. And and I think it was great what he did on Saturday, but it was a great goal by Sigerson, by the way, that yeah, third one. Well, His yeah. first touch. Yes. Yeah, that's to be good, didn't yeah, it? The first touch to set it up. That would that that was why you pay fourteen million pounds for a player on, I, there, I, on Saturday. And I actually even think the first one, from where we sit in the main stand, I thought it's he's great yeah. great he scored. I thought he'd mishit it a little bit. Well yeah. I said to you today, Phyllis, I'm blaming a goalie for that. How's yeah. he scored? Yeah. From yeah. outside the box, like that with his left foot, as he took a deflection, the goalie was poor. You watch the replay, and it's unbelievable. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, what I would say about Saturday, just briefly, what we did better than what we did against uh, Huddersfield is we got behind the defence a lot more in the second half. Yes, there's two two goals come from getting behind the defence, I think, or... and the penalty yeah. because Calvert Lewin's got the legs. We're talking yeah. hasn't. So virtually all our goals came from players by by the byline. The three goals, yeah, um, which we didn't do against Huddersfield. So against a tight defence, that's a lesson learned for Marco going forward. I think. Yeah. Excellent. No, so before we wrap up, just one question I wanted to ask, and I was going to ask this question uh, before I'd seen some uh, some quotes from Jolene Lescott had dropped in our inbox this morning, where he believes the best defender at Everton is still Phil Jagielka. And I was going to ask this question to you boys anyway. So who is Everton's best defender? <laughs> Jolene says that about his former central defensive defensive yeah. partner Phil well, Jackie. Okay, yeah. when he was, I, 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 I somebody, know what he's saying. Yeah, somebody asked me the question. They'd say also seen the quotes and said, "Guess who he's picked?" And I obviously guessed yeah. he was Jags, which is understandable. Has he got a point, or is actually Evans' best defender? The, the, the first thing I say about Jolene Lescott, he was a good, 
he was a very good player to own in, like, you know, sadly, sad loss. Uh, I know what he's saying. If you say in pure defensive terms, using your experience to understand how to play centre-half, then I would say probably yes. Um, We've not seen Yari Mina yet, Uh, but I think you want a bit more from your centre-half, don't don't you, in the modern game, be able to bring the ball out, be a bit more adaptable, uh, which is not necessarily Phil's game. Uh, And so um, I would say... If if you were if you were if you were a jury, I would say, what's that one that Scotland have not proven? <laughs> I would say yeah. I think it's not proven. I, I I wouldn't know who our best defender is to be honest with you. But he's a, a preno, um, our esteemed sports editor wrote a piece after the game where he said Michael Keane is effectively making himself undroppable. Yeah. Is he Evans' best defender? Given the um, the expectation levels on him, he he should be up there. Um, what I would say is like like echo what Gav said, um, and I also think that Everton had by far the three best years out of Julian Lescott and yeah. in his career. I mean, obviously it all ended up very sour for him and the club in twenty oh nine. But I think those three seasons that he were at, it was Everton. He went on to win the trophies with City. But I think from a personal point of view, Lescott was at his peak between oh six and oh nine. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Just just a quick point on that. Doesn't necessarily when you touch on there about our lineup for tomorrow in terms of defence, your best central defender doesn't necessarily form part of the best partnership, mm. does it's, it? It's the old England 1966 World yeah. Cup. He wasn't the best players, but the best eleven. Yeah, yeah. and I think um, you know that's a, Brian Bone was a great centre half, but actually the best partnership was Charlton and Moore. And, and I think uh, I think that's something. Yeah. He, I think you've got to look at our potential best partnerships, what we've seen so far, is Zuma and Keane, what you saw on uh, mm-hmm. on Saturday. Lescott and Jagielka. Yeah, you had Yobo, didn't you? He was decent, but Yobo yeah. wasn't as good in partnership with them two. Mm-hmm. So I think um, that also needs to be taken into account when picking the team. Go on then, yeah, so, yeah. so who is who is your best? So, so certainly, yeah. <laughs> and it, go along with, with Gav. Hopefully that the best is, is yet to come. Evertonians would hope there's been this... Great excitement. I mean, ran and ran all through the summer with Yeri Mina, where they're going to get him. Manchester United were in the mix. Um, Leon, then he finally came on the deadline day. I mean, so there's that excitement. Just how good is he going to be when when he finally get gets out there? So I would go along with Gav said. It, it isn't cut and dry. It's not particularly clear at the moment. Um, if you're going off past record, well, Jag, Jagielka, he's just such a a brave player just putting his body on the line he he's certainly the proven one but is it that Phil is it Phil Jagielka of a decade ago when he was playing alongside Julian Lescott I mean time catches catches up with with us all but I'm, I'm very encouraged with the way Michael Keane has developed and we, we should expect that from Michael Keane big money signing last summer I mean before he came he was expected to be the one who'd kick on rather than Harry Maguire who was also in the market at the time Keane was seen as the better player I mean over the past 12 months it's not worked out like that but it'd be great to think that um, Michael Keane does become a slow burner and a real successor ever I mean somebody like Dave Watson who first came into the club wasn't an immediate success and then was just amazing for over a decade so like Gavard said it's unproven at the moment and hopefully the best is yet to come So you both got splinters sat on the fence (laughs) I'm going to give an answer Kurt Zuma Guys okay Speed, power Quality on the ball. Okay. I think he's currently our best defender. I think Keane's playing very well, and I'm very excited to see what Mina can offer. But as it stands, I think Kurt Zuma's the best defender. Yeah, fair shout. So Phil knew the answer all along there and <laughs> give us the pain and go through it. Yeah, a no, defender who isn't yeah. even owned by Everton Football Club either. Well, yeah, yeah. Hey, that's a, a technicality, pro- isn't it? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
Good stuff, Shaz. Well, thank you very much for listening to uh, today's edition of the Royal Blue Podcast. Uh, and remember, you can review, rate, and subscribe to the show on the iTunes and obviously the Acast app. Uh, so all comments, very welcome. So thank you very much for listening to the latest edition of the Royal Blue Podcast in association with Sport Pacer. You've been listening to the Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo.